La 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 la. Hello, I'm talking about basketball. Isn't that fun for everyone? Fuck, alright, take four. Is it four? It might be only three. Alright, cut. Fuck, come on, alright, take four. Yeah, this is definitely take four. That has nothing to do with your question, no. but that was definitely on my mind. Cool story, Glenn. Hey everybody, welcome to the Top Hoops Podcast. I'm Matt Strickland. And I'm Noah Fader. Hello. Oh my god, we're back, finally. I know, it's been since like November. We mm. did like a welcome to the season episode. We had uh, lots of thoughts and feelings and predictions. And I didn't track my predictions this year as closely. I know I've been more anal about that in years past, but listen, I'm just here to have a good time. Sure to enjoy the sport, the competition. You know your boy, that's me, is also feeling the same way. Uh, I'll tell you one of my predictions, I'm sure, was something about the Knicks being bad and breaking my heart. I didn't think they would break my heart in this specific way, the most horrifying way it can possibly happen. Yeah, uh, what are you talking about? I've uh, been in a cave for three days, oh, so Noah. could you just quickly recap maybe like, Oh, is it because like, uh, they didn't play Cantor for a couple weeks? Emmanuel Moutier got hurt. I'm just really bummed about it. You know what? That's really tough for a Knicks fan. I know there's no real incentive to win, but you want to see the young guys develop. We want to see you know, a guy that's been given four, five, six chances get his seventh, eighth, ninth chance. I want to see him try to develop a jump shot. That's why they call New York the city of brotherly dreams. Mm-hmm. New Yorkers notoriously patient so if patient you, can't, you know if you're not great right away we'll wait we will give you the opportunities to make your mistakes take your lumps and then get better that's what new yorkers do no take your time i'm sure the scanner's just being weird it's mm -hmm. fine mm -hmm. although i am of course talking about um my large latvian son getting shipped off for no apparent reason other than a like a dream of free agents to come and that he like maybe wanted to go somewhere else maybe i think that all of that's bullshit so the very we were talking about so the knicks traded just to get the the you know your what where who why baseline reality ucb stuff out of the way first the knicks traded Kristaps porzingis and then the contracts of trey burke Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee to the Mavericks for the expiring contracts of Wes Matthews and DeAndre Jordan Boo. and DSJ and two first round picks yet to be determined what years they're in. But we do know one's unprotected and then the second is protected in one through ten. But I think it's one through ten for three years and then goes to a second rounder. Is that true? Yeah. Fuck, it, I didn't even the know second that. one. God, that sucks. The se well, I mean, presumably that's the Mavericks saying like, we are going to be good, and we're going to give you a late lottery to non-lottery pick, right? I mean, I guess. I hope. Ugh. And then if they're really good, then their second rounder becomes valuable anyway. Sure. Um, what was I saying? I how do, how do, I'm, just, it, I'm just devastated. Emotionally numb, I would say, is how most Knicks fans feel right now. Knicks fans, as a non-Knicks fan who's lived in New York for quite some time now, I could see the pain that New Yorkers wear on their faces walking around in their Patrick Ewing or Rod Strickland gear. Uh, nothing good has happened to the New York Knicks since 1999. No. Can we actually just do a brief history of what's happened since 99? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear that. Let's hear a brief history of the New York Knicks in the last 20 years. So the, the original sin of the Knicks was in 1999 trading Patrick Ewing, our franchise player, the greatest player we had since the early 70s uh, for fat Glenn Rice and two draft picks. Then we immediately swapped those two draft picks for Othella Harrington, Muggsy Bogues, who never played a game for the Knicks, and a 35-year-old Mark Jackson getting rid of Knicks legend Chris Childs in the process. Chris Childs, who famously punched Kobe in the face, and we will always love him for it. The next year, we then draft Nene, who immediately we trade... 19-year-old Nene plus Marcus Camby, who is 27, who then goes on to win Defensive Player of the Year, and uh, he's a three-time blocks-per-game champion. We traded them for Antonio McDice, who is then 29 and plays 18 games with the Knicks. 
And Tony McDice was a 2010 guy, but in the two seasons before this trade happened, he played 10 games and zero games. So you got to trade your best two young big men for that. Then we trade Latrell Spreewell to the Wolves for Keith Van Horn. Spree helps the Wolves get to the Western Conference Finals. Keith Van Horn plays 47 games with the Knicks. I don't know if Spree like helped the Wolves get to the Western Conference Finals, but he was there. Oh, he was the second best player on that team. It that, was him, Sam Cassell, and, and obviously Garnett. The second best player on any Garnett Wolves team isn't that good. That's no, like if you're the Spr- that team was really good, and Sprewell was really good on that team. But he had to feed his family, and you can't do that on yeah fifty one million dollars. Anyway, all of those transactions were made by Scott Layden, a GM so bad that the New York Post, after nine eleven, put out a headline that said Osama bin Laden, uh, referencing him. He, well, wouldn't it have been weirder if they did it before? Well, then they he wasn't exactly I mean, household name. They would have been needed to investigate. They would have needed to have been investigated. You know what I'm saying? You know what? He's a bad guy. <laughs> this Osama bin Laden and this Scott Laden. I don't know if they're related or they're brothers, but they're bad or guys. Or if they're related. Oh, there you go. In his four years as GM of the Knicks, he trades away three first-rounders, and then the one first-rounder he actually selected was uh, Michael Sweetney, who was out of the league in four years. Four years, by the way, is the standard length of a rookie contract in the NBA. So Scott Layden gets fired because, of course, he's so bad that then we hire the one, the only, Isaiah Thomas. Who did nothing wrong, right? That's nothing what you're about wrong. To say. Well, the very first trade he ever made was uh, he traded Clarence Witherspoon for John Amici, who never played a game for the Knicks, uh, but also was the very first NBA player to come out as gay after he retired, which uh, was pretty cool. Yeah. And then uh, also in that trade, the Knicks got Moochie Norris, who had one of the all-time greatest afros, but uh, didn't really do much for the Knicks on the court. That was Isaiah Thomas' best trade. Then... He traded away a bunch of players, including two first-round picks, one of which would eventually become Gordon Hayward for Stefan Marbury and a broken-down Anthony Hardaway. We all know how Stefan Marbury turned out. He then signed alcoholic Vin Baker. Then Jerome James, then playing with the Seattle Supersonics, averaged a 12-7 uh, with 1.8 blocks per game in uh, over the course of 12 games in the playoffs for the Sonics. Isaiah Thomas says, we got to ink this guy to a five-year deal, crippling their cap room. Then he traded another bunch of players, randos, with another two first-round picks, which became LaMarcus Aldridge and Joe Kimnoa. Joe Kimnoa. You can say my name. Like, I know you know how to pronounce it. Joe Kimnoa, plus two second-round picks to the Bulls for Eddie Curry. He then traded for a washed-up Jalen Rose. Then he traded a young forward named Trevor Ariza for a washed-up C. Francis, who played 60 games for the Knicks and was out of the league in two years. He then signed Jared Jeffries to an astronomical contract, which we would then have to pay Houston a 2012 first-round pick and the right to swap in 2011 to take off our hands for that 2010 cap space, which we did not sign LeBron with. But you did get... Tyson Chandler, who was good for two years, and Amari Stoudemire, who was good for one and we a half. We didn't get Tyson Chandler until 2012 after he won with Dallas, and that was uh, – let me get to Tyson Chandler. Uh, my mistake. We this got was... to Tyson – we got to we're, – we're at – we're still, uh, I don't know, around 2008. So then we also traded, meanwhile, a uh, young Channing Fry for uh, an older Zach Randolph, who we did not let develop, and then immediately flipped him where he uh, lived out his glory years with the – your very own uh, Well, he went Grizzlies. to the Clippers first for a season. My point is we traded a young asset for an older asset and didn't even enjoy that older asset. Yeah. Then, in a uh, you know disgrace, Isaiah Thomas gets fired among sexual harassment rumors. He is a bad guy. Then we hire Donnie Walsh. Donnie Walsh is finally a decent GM. He does a lot of little things then in the middle of the 2011 season Carmelo Anthony decides he wants to leave Denver even though he's going to be a free agent and the Knicks could just wait to sign him in free agency of course James Dolan pressures Donnie Walsh to get it done right then so in the Mello deal we could have had Mello plus Amari who you know was still good at that time plus all our young guys uh Wilson Chandler Gallinari Felton, Mozgov, but we trade all of those guys plus two second round picks 
Uh, oh, sorry. Plus two first round draft picks, which became Dario Saric and Jamal Murray. Uh, we got back Mello uh, and Corey Brewer, who we waived for no reason. The Knicks just waived Corey Brewer, who was still then very young. He then uh, signed with Dallas and helped Dallas win that Lakers series. And that Dallas team is the one that eventually won the championship. Corey Brewer then played for that 53-win Denver team, playing 25 minutes a game. And he was part of that great Houston comeback when him and Josh Smith reigned in all those threes and they came back and beat the uh, Clippers. That In 2019 is starting for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. So this is a guy who is young, still very good, and in his prime, and we just waved him. And in, later on, when we were in the playoffs and we had no one playing for him, we were starting like Sean Williams, Tony Douglas, Landry Fields, Ronnie Turioff, all of whom didn't really last much in the league after that. It was a disaster. I don't know what the fuck we were doing. And that was our best GM in the last <laughs> 20 I, years. I'm going to defend briefly the mellow trade. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. As Melo's washing out of the league, we're talking about Melo's legacy. Prior to the 2011 lockout and new CBA, sign-in trades were the way that star players moved. So if they'd waited till the summer, Melo still would have gotten Denver to re-sign him to the long deal and then flip it like LeBron did the the same in 2010. It was we- more standard. It was it was people. The bird rights were more valuable. And it was more standard to see these big transactions. And that has pretty much completely gone away because sign and trades are no longer legal. So now people are much more willing to just wait and get them for free if the if they think the player will take the discounted contract of one fewer year and smaller raises. I will say that had we waited, we also would have had more leverage with Denver because he could have he could have Mello would have been like either sign me sign me and trade me to the Knicks or I'll walk to some other team. So Denver would have been in a much tougher spot. Denver got squeezed us for so much because and the, and the Knicks were so scared that he would sign with Brooklyn, which he was never going to sign with Brooklyn. I mean, we traded way we traded twice as much for Melo as we got back for Kristaps, who is like young and a restricted free agent and yeah. still great. And not nearly as good as Melo was in 2009. Anyway, now that's the end of Donnie Walsh's tenure. He f- gets fired and we get Glenn Grun- Glenn Grunwald who famously we picked up Chauncey Billups' option for a year and then immediately used the amnesty clause on him two months later so we could have the cap room to sign Tyson Chandler. Meanwhile, the Amari contract hangs over us like an albatross for five, six more years. We picked up Chauncey Billups' option and then used our one-time amnesty a month later. Insane. We traded a bunch of stuff to the Houston Rockets right afterwards. One of the one of the picks became Montrezl Harrell for a 38-year-old Marcus Camby. Then we gave up a first-round pick for Andrea Bargnani. Then we hire Phil Jackson, who trades away Tyson Chandler for spare parts because Tyson Chandler doesn't get along with Melo. He signed Melo to a max, also gave him a no-trace clause. He traded away like little but good players like Wayne Ellington for old players who never played again, like Travis Outlaw. He gave stupid amounts of money to Aaron Aflalo and Robin Lopez. Uh, signed traded Sasha away, Vujicic. Traded away Shump and JR to Cleveland just like to be nice and got almost nothing back. Got almost nothing back. He traded for Derrick Rose while Derrick Rose was in the midst of a rape trial. He signed Joe Kim Noah for $70 million. He signed Courtney Lee for $50 million. He signed Ron Baker to an absurd two-year deal for six million who is currently out of the league he, he drafted traded Trim Hard- tim hardaway jr to atlanta and then signed him to oh, a actually that rate. was steve mills oh that oh, yeah I'm the, la- the very last thing that that phil ever did was draft frank nilakina over dsj and more importantly donovan mitchell yeah then he was fired a week later so they were about to fire him but they were like let's let him draft uh, a point guard for the triangle they immediately fired him, and then the first thing Steve Mills did was give $70 million to Tim Hardaway Jr., which then we just had to pay the Kristaps Porzingis tax to get rid of. And that, I think, brings us up to date. So That's 20 years. <laughs> so the Knicks are great, uh, and they have a stellar reputation. And No, Knicks fans have been beaten into submission over all of uh, these transactions that you just kind of heard. I mean, that's not 
Those are the big ones. Those are the highlights. There's so many more that I yeah, didn't say. You skipped a lot of like the totally whiffed draft picks and stuff. Yeah, right? but I, th- I do think it's funny that draft picks, among of whom became Jamal Murray, LaMarcus Aldridge, Gordon Hayward, like we're still paying, we're still like hurting. You can still see the scars because all those players are still in the league. Yeah, LaMarcus and, like, Aldridge just got named to his 10th All-Star team. Uh, for this for in a couple weeks, uh, Jamal Murray's a star on the number one seed in the West right now in Denver. Like uh, Gordon Hayward, multi multi time All Star, even though he's having an off year, obviously. I mean, Joe Kim Noah, bad now, but had like a really great. Hey, he career. had a double double three days ago. Jesus, Jesus Christ! It's funny that Joe Kim Noah was a pick that we had, and then we ended up getting signing him to like stupid albatross money. Later on, I don't know. It's fucking ironic. Yeah, the Knicks love doing shit like this. So let's walk through the timeline then of – I was in meetings all day on Thursday, but I was – you know, it's it's F5 season, and I got my Woj alerts turned on and my Shams alerts turned on. And I see this pop up, reporting with Zach Lowe and Ramona Shelburne. In meeting with management today, Knicks forward Christoph Porzingis expressed his concern with the losing franchise direction and an uncertainty of the culture's development that will enable sustainable organizational success – and then in a quick follow-up, something to the effect that he would like to be traded. Uh, Porzingis wants to play for a winner in New York, but is searching for clarity on his future role with the team and Knicks direction. Porzingis, out of an ACL, out with an ACL injury, can be a restricted free agent this summer. And then there also, yeah, there was some, maybe Zach Lowe tweeted that he didn't, rec- it was something along the lines of him not requesting a trade. He but preferred. They, the, the Knicks came away the, with the impression that he would like to be traded. Yeah, the word was preferred, not requested. Uh, this was coming just a few days after AD and Clutch Sports, well, Clutch Sports got AD fined $50,000 for outwardly saying, I want to be traded. So they maybe were just beating it out the bush. But also, Kristaps wasn't willing to put up a twenty-five dollars to $50,000 fine and just saying, I want to be traded out of New York. I don't think he said that at all. I think he was unhappy. I think this is all bullshit. Okay, the Knicks you think this, this is all Ramona... No, and no. Woj and their agent connects. No, I think that the Knicks leaked this info to make Kristaps look bad because then an hour later they traded. Uh, they had this deal already constructed with Dallas. But I just on my way here was listening to Dirk Nowitzki on Zach Lowe's podcast, and Zach Lowe asked Dirk, "He was like, you're the franchise guy. When did you first hear about that?" And he said that he first heard about it a few days before the Knicks played Dallas, which was two days before this trade happened. So it had been in the, and certainly it had been in the works before Dirk heard about it, at least a couple days. So this is trade had been in the works for a week at yeah. the very least. And th- they keep Dirk in the loop on most things, but Dirk's not the franchise player anymore. He's just like the, the mascot at this point. And Mark Cuban's not going to tell him everything right away. It's not like they're, trying to win a title based on Dirk they don't need his sign off this is Dirk's last season so if they're giving Dirk the courtesy heads up yeah six or seven days before the trade happens clearly conversations have been going on for a day these trades take a day or two to hammer out they had to have special contract language about first available pick because of other deals this is all so this whole thing is bullshit this whole thing where the Knicks are leaking information like Kristaps wants to be traded and then immediately trade him. So it's like, oh, that he asked to be traded. It's all bullshit. They'd been working. They had this deal done when with Dallas. Then they had the meeting with Kristaps. Then they leaked it. Then like they announced the trade. It's this, all it's all like PR bullshit. This sounds like Steve Mills talked to like one of his assistant GMs who was like. All right, checklist for the week. We got to leak some stuff that Kristaps wanted to trade, and then we got to then we got to f- hammer out this contract, and then we got to call the league office. And then it's Thursday, and he's like, "Hey, assistant GM, did you uh, how are you doing on that check?" He's like, "Oh, I've been super swamped this week, boss, but I'm getting those leaks out right now." He's like, "That was supposed to be done on Tuesday." Oh God! And then yeah, and then there's they expect us to believe that they have this trade 90 minutes after they have this meeting with Kristaps. Yeah, trades that happen in 90 minutes are like. I'll trade you a second round pick and a hundred thousand dollars for the rights to a European guy five minutes before the deadline. Stuff like that, you just rubber stamp it and go. You don't rubber stamp trading your best player in two decades, uh, not named Carmelo Anthony. It's all fucking bullshit. I actually I mean, God, I hate this it's so upsetting. Uh I actually have audio 
um, of me. This is my actual reaction in real time when I heard about this trade. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Yeah, that sounds pretty brutal. It was it was a rough afternoon. My girlfriend was in the next room when I heard about it, and I was screaming profusely, and she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, it's fine. It's just sports. It's fine, but it's life. Oh, no. And it's just like, of course the Knicks did this. Of course. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to give a little bit of credit to the Knicks office. I think the, the lack of leaks, as I said before, was a mistake. But the fact that this was not on anyone's radar, that all these reporters that swirl around New York, none of them, like in the days leading up, or like rumor is that Kristaps is on the trading block, that does speak to like a mostly buttoned up front office. I mean, I sure they're they're secretive. Good for them. That does that doesn't mean I, I to compare. I've known about every single Grizzlies transaction like one to three days beforehand because random season ticket holders on Twitter are like texting back and forth with people who work for the team and then just tweeting it out. Like there, there, there are leaky front offices and there are tight front offices. And this is clearly a tightened up front office. Yeah. But it doesn't make them smart. The Knicks front office is like the Godfather. If everyone was Fredo. I can handle things. I'm smart. Not like everybody says. Like dumb. I'm smart. And I want to spend. You know what I mean? I've never seen the Godfather. Yeah. God, Marilyn? we've talked about this. That's insane. We've talked about all the things that I haven't experienced that you think are so important, like, you know, intercourse or whatever. No, I mean, intercourse, just wait till you find someone you love. Yeah, I mean, maybe my second marriage. Yeah. Uh, so what's what's fascinating to me about this deal is this is hugely risky for the Knicks, because what if Kristaps blossoms into, like, the all-star caliber player that that is his ceiling? That's, so that's the risk for them. The other risk for the Knicks is what if the $70 million in cap space they have this summer turns into, like, Clay Thompson and Marc Gasol? Like, I mean, that that would be cla- – I mean, I would be happy to get Clay Thompson, but that would be classic Knicks, right? So the only reason – the only way that this trade is acceptable is if Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are both playing – or some two of Kyrie, AD – and uh, KD are playing on the Knicks next year. If two of those guys play for the Knicks, then I still don't like this trade, but whatever, it worked out. Yeah. If anything less than that, this trade is a fucking disaster. Even if Kristaps like, has an injury-riddled, riddled, riddled, injury-riddled career, I'm still furious because this is the Knicks have we read that list of transactions. They've been star chasing for twenty years. They never build a team the way you're supposed to build a team, quote unquote. And for the first time in forever, I felt good about being a Knicks fan. We had Knox, we had Frank, we had all these young guys, and we had our jewel, Kristaps, and he was you know, everyone said it, he's the first hometown, you know, development player that we've had since Patrick Ewing. He's the best player since Patrick Ewing and we I was so stoked and then the Knicks do what they always do is trade away their best assets for for hope and dream and star chasing and even if it works out it'll be the right thing for the wrong reasons and I would almost rather keep Kristaps and build and even if our team's not as good it will be the wrong thing for the right reasons you know what I mean yeah no I Building a team with an identity around a guy that like like not that that doesn't always work out. The Warriors the only time where it's like, oh yeah, we just drafted a bunch of guys and they're all all stars. Isn't that cool? It almost never works out that way. But you can build a team with an identity around players that you draft. The Clippers built an identity around DeAndre and Blake, and then they went and traded for Chris Paul. But the lob, the the oop part of the alley oops of Lob City were guys that they traded. The Grizzlies, uh drafted uh Conley. drafted Conley and they pseudo dra- Gasol only played for them they built an identity around that the Pacers teams Paul George Danny Granger Roy Hibbert all guys that they drafted like they built an identity maybe they weren't the Warriors a- yeah but they're the I mean they traded they traded for KD but they you know Dre Clay and Steph they're yeah. all drafted yeah like you can but even non-Warriors teams can build an identity around 
your guys and the fans are going to love you for it right like Dirk staying in Dallas for 21 years like they yeah they won one title in 21 years you don't think that title was worth more to the city of Dallas than like the Warriors third title or whatever but look at every championship team sure there's like trades and stuff to like acquire superstars and second stars but every championship team of the past 20 years was built around a guy that they drafted. I mean, Warriors, Steph, Clay, Dre, obviously got KD, but like even before they got KD, I mean, the the Cavs, Kyrie, you know, they did draft LeBron. He left and came back. Spurs. Spurs. All guys they drafted, and then you plug in the pieces. Dwayne Wade. uh, The Lakers, Shaq, Kobe, or Kobe, and then, you know. Kobe, and then, yeah. Oh, they also traded for Kobe, technically. Boston, it was, you know, they traded for those big three, but it was built around Paul, Paul Pierce. Yeah, and right? Rondo. So every championship team has, like, this hometown building block, and that is what, even if we never won a championship with Kristaps, that's what was so exciting about the Knicks because that's something that we haven't had yeah. since 1984. In two years, if the Utah Jazz built make the Western Conference Finals around the Gobert-Mitchell, like, duo – that's going to be way sweeter because those guys are like their players, right? And even if they never make the finals, even if they never win a title, like Stockton and Malone is the same thing. They had 20 years of Stockton and Malone, and it was awesome because they were just, these are the Utah guys, and they're like, except for that one year at the end, we're just like, these are our guys, and they're always here. Uh, I I think there are risks here for, for Dallas, though. I think there's like a, some huge risks for Dallas. Sure. Giving I- up those picks, obviously, is always a risk. But also, Kristaps has made it clear that he intends to sign the qualifying offer. This I don't summer. believe that'll happen. And I don't believe that's going to happen. Well, there's two versions of that. There's two qualifying offers you can make. There's the one year, like here's six million dollars or whatever. The it's like the mid-level exception equivalent. One year, and then you skip restricted free agency and you're an unrestricted free agent at year five. Wow, that would be for a player of his caliber to do that it would be unprecedented. The other is the five-year qualifying offer, which is like a slightly reduced max, basically. Uh, sm- same base, slightly smaller raises, like 8% raises instead of 10% raises. So they could lock him in for five years. But do they want to offer that to a guy who's never played a game for them, assuming he doesn't play this year? Does he want to do that if maybe he doesn't want to be in Dallas? Or is he going to maybe punt on Dallas and play you know, part of next season for them and then be an unrestricted free agent in 2020. I do not think Dallas makes this trade without the intention of keeping him, and I also don't think that they're stupid enough to think that Kristaps wouldn't take close to the max. They're going to have to offer him close to the max if they want to keep him. Yeah. And I think Kristaps would take that. I don't what think if- I don't think Kristaps I mean maybe he's young and arrogant enough to be to th- to shake off all his injuries and just sign the one year but i just i just don't see that happening what if they offer him the one year to trigger it and he just signs it that's an option they have to start restricted free agency by giving him one of those two options or both what if they only give him the one year option and he just signs it and is not a restricted free agent he has the power there if 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 they want to lock him up they have to offer him the full five-year qualifying offer i think they will i mean otherwise they wouldn't have traded for him yeah, because otherwise and you... taking on all that like let's they took on a shit ton of money. Yeah, they took on Hardaway for Hardaway and Courtney Lee for ne- all of next year, and I think Courtney Lee the year after. Yeah, and it's a lot of money between the two of them. No, Courtney Lee is this year and next year, and Tim Hardaway is this year, next year, and the following. Oh, he's not free agent until twenty one. Yeah, so now that fits with their timeline because they don't have to pay Luca that much yet, and they traded away so much salary. Uh, so their only big contract that is probably they wouldn't want to move right now is Harrison Barnes. Tim Hardaway Jr. will also help that team right away. So will Courtney Lee. Courtney Lee's good. Last year, Courtney Lee averaged like a career high in points, and this was when Kristaps was injured, but also Tim Hardaway Jr. was injured. So Courtney Lee, for like two months, was their lead ball handler scorer guy. Yeah. And he played well. Like He can put the ball on the floor a little bit. He's a great three-point shooter, great and he's a good defender. Shooter. They Tim Hardaway Jr. and and Courtney Lee and Harrison Barnes are exactly the kind of players I would want to surround Kristaps and Luca with. Yeah. Especially if if Kristaps becomes what 
you know, we all think and hope Kristaps will be. All right, so let's and say, I do hope he, you know. Let's say Kristaps gets the medical sign off in a, uh, at the All-Star break and comes back after the All-Star break and they win 12 games in a row and make the playoffs. I hope that happens because if the idea of Dallas also getting Zion Williamson makes me want to fucking kill myself. <laughs> I yeah, it's top five protected, right? Mm-hmm. There, there, that'd be that's so unlikely. What are you talking about? God hates the Knicks. Of course, I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's more likely to happen. I mean, I know they have like a two percent chance, but I, th- I would, I would put the odds at fifty fifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it either happens or it doesn't, so it's fifty fifty. I mean, God hates the Knicks, man. Yeah. It's pretty unbelievable. I'm shocked that this happened. We, we're we seeing a new era, and we've still got three years before the CBA opens up again to like ad- address any of this from, from the owner's perspective, Oof. where players are wielding their power much more aggressively. Jimmy Butler, last summer, went to his managers and was like, listen, I don't like where this team is going. We're not on the right timeline for me to fit here. I want to trade. All summer long. They the Glenn Taylor could have told his guys, all right, we're going to trade Jimmy Butler. Didn't do it. Get to the start of the season. Jimmy's really unhappy at this point because he requested a trade privately, and he starts being an asshole in public, and we get all this drama. And eventually, they find a workable trade, and I think it worked out for both sides. They got you know valuable players back, uh, and there you go. Drama's over. And now, since that drama's been over, the Wolves are rolling actually, and the Sixers are doing well. But now Anthony Davis is requesting a trade, and he's probably never going to play a game for the Pelicans ever again, even if they don't trade him until next year. They probably like the players are, have more power now and more control over where they're going to play. And I think that's great. Yeah, they should. Cause they are their labor and their, the product. Yeah. So they should have control about where they go, where they want to play. It's, but it's just interesting seeing this. I, I, I agree. This is a positive thing. I'm using interesting in the positive connotation that like, we're seeing a shift where players are having more and more power, and I think fans are realizing that requesting a trade does not make a player a bad guy, like automatically. No, I don't think Pelicans fans are like pissed at AD just because he would like to play for a winning team. I mean, if I was a Pelicans fan, I would be pissed. But like, even if Chris Stops did request a trade, I don't. You know, I'm not. I'm pissed at the Knicks for putting him in a position. It's failure of management to not keep your 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 star happy. Yeah. It like So I mean I'd be pissed that he would be leaving. Like I'm pissed Kristaps is leaving, but I'm not pissed at Kristaps. If I was a Pelicans fan, I would be pissed that he's leaving, but I wouldn't blame him. I would blame management for failing him. Yeah, cuz you see other you see other young guys like Jokic and Giannis are in markets that have traditionally not been super successful but they've brought in the right people around them to make them successful at every level from management to players. So they've brought in better coaches. They've brought in better managers. They brought in better players to surround their guys. And mm-hmm. both those are the two best teams in the league right now. Yeah. And they quickly, very quickly built franchises around their franchise players. And it really didn't seem like the Knicks were doing anything to do that with Chris Tops. The Well, it seems like the Knicks had started. I mean, they were a couple years too late. Did I, did I mention that, Phil Jackson also gave Melo a no trade clause. I did say that, you, right? You did say that. Jesus Christ. But, you know, so that hampered them. They were a couple years too late in the rebuild, but it seems like I I had hope because I like Kevin Knox, I like Frank, I like, you know, these some of the the, the, the more fringe guys Alonzo like Trier, Trier, Dotson, you know, and then this reclamation projects like Moutier and um Vonley. I will say Moutier seems like a classic put up stats on the Knicks to get overpaid somewhere. Like if the Knicks offered him a four or five year Courtney Lee size contract, I, I'm going to be furious. Yeah. But it seemed like they were finally, and they were tanking this year. So potentially next year, even if we got, you know, no big free agents, we had, I, it felt like we had a little bit of an exciting young core developing around Kristaps. Um, especially if we got Zion and, you know, Zion, Knox, Kristaps, and then, you know, some, some combination of guards wings. I don't know. It, it was feeling good for the first time in a really long time. We've never had – the Knicks have never been like, the fun young team like the Wolves were for a season or the Thunder were for a few seasons. Yep. And it feels like we finally had that and then just fucking our legs got cut off. I, I'm not trying to rain on your parade here because I know you're hurting. 
only Knicks fans think Kevin Knox is an exciting player. No, that's not true. Knox, Knox is good. He's like what eighth in the rookie rankings, probably. Who's? I mean, I put Trey Young above him. Maybe I mean Trey. I put obviously, Bagley above him. I don't. I, I think, put Jaron Jackson above him. I put Luka Doncic and Aiton above him. I mean, I put Shea Gilgis Alexander above him. I just named seven, so eighth is as best as you're gonna do. Maybe I don't know. I I like Knox. I put Malik I, Beasley above him. That's not true. Yes, I would. He scored thirty three points last night. He's also not a rookie. Is he not? No. Oh, he just didn't play. Yeah, he's like in his third year. You're in your third year. Listen, just because I don't know when a player was drafted doesn't mean that my point isn't a hundred percent factually no, true. My my thing is, how Knox dare you is me. Nick Knox is. Ha, you see potential in him. I see potential in him. He has potential to be better than a lot of those players you just mentioned. Sure. I think I like. I think Knox is going to be better than Bagley, for one. I'm actually coming around on Bagley. Earlier in the season, I was so disappointed on him, but I've been because he didn't come in and have an immediate impact like some of the other rookies were in the mm. first few months. But now that we're getting like now that we're at game fifty or so, he really seems to be turning a bit of a corner. I think the the Kings are like a super fun team. Kings are great. The Kings are great. Like they shouldn't make any trades. No, like they at all. But yeah, they shouldn't. I wish we had traded Kristaps to the Kings though. And for like Willie Cauley Stein and anyone, I don't know. Willie Cauley Stein like and they wouldn't give up Buddy or De'Aaron. Justin Bogdanovich Jackson. maybe. They love Bogey. Yeah, I like him too. Bogdan. I don't know. I don't want to talk about the fucking Kings. I only want to talk about the fucking <laughs> Kings. Again, an impasse, a rift, a schism. I'm just saying, I wish we had kept Kristaps, even if we get some big-name free agents, which, like, I have no faith that the Knicks... The Knicks have never... We've never been able to trust them with cap space. I don't trust them now. You mean, I read all of those transactions. What In what world am I going to be like, yes, this is the team I want to trust with two max slots? Of course not. Uh, what if you get KD and Boogie? I don't, I don't want to give Boogie max money. Yeah, but what if you can get KD and Boogie? I mean, if we can get KD and Boogie, do it, and we'll be pretty good. We won't be great, but we'll be—I mean, they'll be the best Knicks team in a long time. If we can get KD, that's all we need. Doesn't KD get you in the playoffs? Doesn't get you a top four seed? Yeah, I would say yeah for sure. You wouldn't take like five years of being a top four seed in the East, even if you never win a title. Yes, of course I would. Okay, just make. But I'm just saying, it's like I said. The right thing for the wrong reasons still feel, still feels gross to me. Yeah. I mean, this 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 star chasing mentality which we've had for twenty years. I just I'm so exhausted. Yeah. I, in in a year, when we look back on this trade, I think you should like the grade right now for this trade for the Knicks. I feel like is a C minus for the emotional impact. It's like an incomplete, but yeah. But it it's actually an incomplete because the the space does matter a lot. Yeah. But the C minus could never get higher than I would say like a B minus, even if they sign really good players. But it could get as low as an F. Oh. If like the best player they get is Clay. Big time. Then all of a sudden this becomes a disaster of a trade. Yes. There's so much and that's another thing is I don't understand why we didn't shop around more or wait. Or even if you had the opportunity, you could have dumped those contracts with other young players, like some of the young players. If you trade if you attach Vonley and Frank to Courtney Lee, and then you attach Knox to Hardaway, like you can get rid of those contracts by attaching other the other young players we have, other than Kristaps. There's a there's a world in which we could have made the similar trades and got rid of the contracts, but kept Porzingis. And I don't know why. Maybe that was the personality thing, and they were just like, we got to get off this guy. But I don't know. I just feel like this is not the world. This is not what needed to happen. But anyway, so I would like to talk about what else is going on. We got to talk about the other big thing. I mean, this AD trade, I think, is so funny. Did you see last night Adrian Wojnarowski revealed what the the Lakers have actually been offering for Anthony Davis, which I think is so funny. So everyone everywhere, Ringer, ESPN, Sports Illustrated has been saying if the Lakers want to get AD now before – you know, Boston gets in the mix and some of these other teams gets in the mix. They have to offer all of their young guys plus picks. Yeah. And Woj re- uh, reported last night that the first offer for AD was 
Lonzo, Kuzma, Rajon Rondo, Michael Beasley, and a pick. The a pick. Fucking balls on Magic Johnson. The Lakers. Like, give us AD, and you have to take Rondo and Beasley, a couple of our guys. Not, not even Ingram wasn't even in that deal. That is so funny to me. So the Lakers have done this before, where they have they lowballed to try and get Paul George. Like, oh, we'll just sign him as a free agent. He goes. He loves playing with Russell Westbrook. He realizes he can be like the star in Oklahoma and stayed. They KD like wouldn't even take a meeting with them cuz they were so underwhelming and wouldn't put any effort into bringing him in to like present someone else like they've consistently screwed up their pursuit of players over the last 5ish years, obviously before Magic uh, in the uh what's his face era? Basically in the Genie era. Yeah. The Genie era like post Dr. Bus and Genie taking over. They haven't really pulled out all the stops to get anyone except for LeBron. And he it just worked. They signed with, LeBron, though. Yeah, and that <laughs> worked. Even... But also, LeBron wanted to just move to LA. Yeah. LeBron moved to LA for non basketball reasons, and the Lakers were a more attractive option to him than the Clippers. Shams is saying that the Lakers said you can pick any two of the young guys, meaning Ball, Ingram, Kuzma, Zubach, and Hart. Including Zubach and Hart. That's so funny. Yeah. Two of the young guys plus Rondo and Lance Stevenson as the core of the deal. And no, uh, only one pick. I, That's so funny. It's you could, so funny. You like, I just don't. Un- there's, it's arrogance, and I think it's going to hurt them. I think the deal's going to get done, but I think that Dell Demps is going to bleed them a, a little drier than the Lakers are used to getting bled. I'm wondering if you're so. You know, the Knicks fan is the eternal, like, we get beaten down, and then we rise again, and we are become complete optimists, and we're like, actually, Kevin Knox is going to be great. This guy, Tria. Yeah. Uh, but if you're the Pelicans, so what's who's Anthony uh, Anthony Davis' dad is now saying he doesn't want to go to Boston? Because they're not loyal, and it's a racist town. Yeah, it's like which valid. is true. Yeah. I mean, they did IT real dirty, but... uh. But if you were the Pelicans, would you rather have that, like, Lonzo, Kuzma, Rondo, Beasley one-pick package? Or would you rather have two Dallas picks, one Knicks pick, DSJ, and Knox? You're trying to get Knicks in on the trade market for AD? Yeah. Man. Because I mean, he, because they, he's they've the Davis's camp has also said I would also stay with the Knicks. Which I, and so let's just you know this this has been floated on numerous sites where it the potential is the two big free agents whether they're Kyrie or KD or Clay or whatever that sign the two big free agents and then trade for Anthony Davis this summer. If he's still there, because he's you know he's got a whole another year left on this contract. He's doing this a year and a half in advance of him right. being a free agent. So, if you're the Pelicans, that is a, that's a better offer. Yeah, three, three firsts, a decent young player, two decent young guys. I mean, is and then some some someone to make the money work. DSJ and Lonzo Ball are like I would say pretty contra- comparable. Uh, Potential wise, you know, they both have different strengths. DSJ is probably going to be a little bit more of a scorer. Lonzo Ball, more of a distributor. But neither have, have you know, achieved potential, but they both have it. They both project as like a one time all star, you know? Yeah. Like, like, a all, or like an almost all star. Like a Drew Holiday type. He made like one all star team, but has been like yeah. a really good, the kind of player you make one all star team, but people are like stoked on you for a while. All these players, by the way, worse than Mike Conley, zero yeah. time all star. Just gonna say that again. Not that he should have made it this year, but I'm still mad about that. But then also, I think Knox has more potential than Kuzma. I mean, Kuzma's 24 or 25. He is what he is. Knox is 19. How amazing is it that we're talking about these like agent negotiations, and it's all Clutch Sports, I know, and Clutch so is funny. not owned by LeBron, but is owned by his best friends. Yeah, that LeBron has taken over like the whole league. It's like if Scott Boris in baseball would like if he was a business partner with a rod like just like i don't understand the reference but it's like if um game of thrones character one teamed up with game of thrones character two and fredo from the godfather yeah no fredo is is incompetent oh and um michael 
Scott yes, from yes, The Office. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah, I also have not seen Game of Thrones, so um, Tyrion is a character that I've heard. Yes, uh, he, and he's a he's a smart, good he, little guy. All right, here's our next segment. Just like listeners, look out for this. Noah gets a list of just names of Game of Thrones characters and assigns them uh, to NBA personalities. Okay, ready? Uh, John Snow. No, this is the segment for a late. I need to. Oh, need, yeah. okay, all right. That's a sneak peek. That's a. <laughs> So we call a tease. It's called a tease. After the break, and the break will hopefully not be three months. Yeah. Uh, come back for that. Can we? Th- what other transactions are like we looking at heading into free agency? Um, I don't really want to talk about basketball. I just want to talk about transactions. All right, let's talk transactions. We will be back to talk like on court stuff. Yeah. Well, um, so who's you know this has been before all this Kristaps and AD stuff happened. Your your Grizzlies were the big talk of the town because. Because Mark and and uh, Mike are headed out potentially. Yeah, it, uh, uh, I would say that neither of them have s- tons of value. I mean, definitely Conley has more. They both have value as players. They don't, but they also both have big number contracts. Mike Conley's con- he's just owed so much money. Thirty three million dollars next season and the season after. Second being a player option, uh, which he will certainly pick. Which up. he will certainly pick up as he should. And $33 million for Mike Conley is, like, about market value for a Mike Conley, but... I think you are... you are oh, that's, That is the homer in you coming no, 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 out that's, so hard. No, 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 that's the optimist in me. The optimist, like, assuming Mike Conley is the Mike Conley of two years ago, like, absolute peak Mike Conley, uh, where he's, you know, scoring 21 points a game, shooting 45% from three, getting, like, eight or nine assists, like, peak Mike Conley is worth $33 million. Peak, However... Peak Mike Conley is still only, like the 12th best point guard in the league. I guess that depends on where you who you partner him with, right? Yeah. Uh depends on like how your team is built. Like <gasps> Oh wait, before we get into Mike Conley, can I just say one more Anthony Davis thing? Yeah. How funny would it be? And I haven't looked at the numbers. I should have done this on Train Machine, but I look I was thinking about it on the way here. The Rockets were willing to offer four first-round picks for Jimmy Butler, right? Correct. How funny would it be if the Rockets were like, "Hey, Pelicans, how you, you know we'll give you this young guy. His name's Clint Capella. We'll take back some of your bad salary, and we'll also give you legendary point guard Chris Paul, and send Chris Paul back to New Orleans." How amazing would that be? You know, they probably have to be thinking of how to get out of Chris Paul in the next year or so. I think the Rockets would 100% do that. Because Capella's good, but you can get a, f- a facsimile of Capella pr- relatively easily. Yeah, and N- Nene and Farid have been doing it for a week now, and it was just Nene before that. Yeah. It was Nene and Isaiah Hartenstein. So how amazing would that be if you get... The place that he was so desperate to leave that he almost blew up the league and got everyone mad at David Stern, that he ends up back in New Orleans. I think that would be the funniest, it, funniest. And point, he's locked in, so he he would just go there and he'd be stuck there. New they, Orleans would be like, "You're a hometown boy. You're here forever." The the problem with that is Maury emptied the war chest to go get Chris Paul. But and, he, he has the the whatever the four picks he was going to trade for. Jimmy Butler, just throw those. Chris Paul, like, Capella, four picks, and you get AD and whatever salary the. The uh, um the Pelicans want to get off of honestly or more or whatever. I kind of I hope they don't do that because I'm really enjoying watching James Harden be an entire basketball team, and f- in terms of scoring, this is the most ridiculous thing I've seen since like solo Kobe after Shaq left in the the interregnum between the Shaq era and the Pau Gasol era. This is I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, he's going bananas. He's averaged 45 points a game for a month. He's had 30 points 25 times in a row. The only person who's done that more in a row is Wilt, who did it 119 times in a row, and then a separate time like 60 times in a row. Because, you know, it's Wilt, and he has all the records. But it's absolutely amazing. And I, I was like when the first year that Russ averaged a triple-double, where it's like, wow, he's just doing it all himself. And now he's doing it two more years since then. And it's like, oh, he's just insane. Um, let's get back to the Grizzlies, guys. All right, uh, Conley yeah. and Gasol. The, so the the rumors are uh, Conley to Utah. Conley to Utah. But what would that be for? For Rubio and Rubio in a first is what I've heard. I have no interest in that. Uh, I would be interested in Rubio Exum in a first. I think Exum showed showed great strides end of last season that have carried over into this season. He was injured a lot. He's only twenty 
21 or 22, he could still – like, that's a player you could say, you know what, he's probably not a star, but he's a starter when this team is good. When Jaron Jackson is, like, coming into his own in three or four years, you could say this is a this is a person who could be a part of our team's future. Problem with Exum is – he played 82 games his first year, didn't play at all his second year, 66 games his third year, and then the last two years, 14 and 39. Yeah, well, 39 this year out of 50 is fine. Yeah, um, that's good so far, but he's been really injury-prone, still yeah. can't shoot. It, I mean, his c- career three-point average is 30%. I mean, I'm not going to tell he, you that— He's shooting his, his second-best <laughs> uh, percentage of his career right now at 30 the only reason to say no to Dante Exum is if you think Javon Carter is your point guard of the future, and he's played about six games. So If I'm Utah, I don't feel bad. I mean, I know people like his defense, but I, I say throw throw Exum in there. If I'm Utah, I'm doing that for sure. Uh, the, the, other, the thing that would make me absolutely say no to a Utah deal is if they try and include favors. No interest in favors money. Uh, I mean, what would be the money to include then? Because Conley makes significantly more than Rubio. Uh, I don't know. Can they throw Joe Inglis in there? No. I mean, that's not going to happen. I don't know what expirings they had. I mean, if I'm Utah... Ekpe Udo. He makes a bunch of money for no reason, I think. Utah needs to trade for, like, a Connolly because, I mean, the same reason that Indiana was trying to trade for Connolly, no free agent's going to go there. So if you can lock Connolly in for, like, the last few years of his prime, I mean, you've got to do that, right? Yeah. Like, so they, you need to take back an, about another. I mean, Tabo Cephalosha's contract makes it work. Yeah, and there he's you go. Expiring. That's so it'd perfect. be like Rubio expiring, Cephalosha expiring, Exum in a first. Yeah, it's a bummer that Rubio's expiring because otherwise I would want him more so we could keep our streak of Spaniards alive. I mean, I'm sure you could resign Rubio. Uh, I don't want to build. Try and build a. Re- Actually, for a rebuild, he'd probably be pretty good. Good distributor. Yeah. Um, Gasol Still is relatively young. Gasol is more curious where he ends up. <laughs> A lot of people have been saying that Charlotte like makes sense on paper. They haven't had like you give up like whatever Zeller they have and Batum presumably to make them, and then you have Gasol probably as a possibly as a rental. Um, you you want to take on Batum's money? How many more years? Three, I think. Two, two after this. Two one. after this one. I don't know, man. Uh, this Tune is going to be nothing for you. Memphis is entering a real ass rebuild here, where like they will not make the playoffs again for at least three more years. Batum is Mark's money, but it lasts a year longer. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure Charlotte would love to do that. Yeah. Uh, what other teams need a like passing big man who's not really going to score a ton unless you absolutely need him to? Lakers. Yeah. Like they have a bunch of one year contracts. And they're he, probably not given any th- any like asset of substance. I mean, they're obviously chasing AD, but they, um, this would Mark would only be their fallback plan, and they might not even do that because they might be just trying to save their cap space for next year. The other option I've heard is uh, Portland. Portland get yeah. off Evan Turner's money and some other stuff and uh, trade uh, send Nurkic out. Yeah, like it. I don't know now that that's so tough. Portland, it would be a big shakeup for Portland. Portland would have to. Because they'd have to give up one of the pieces they actually like, you know? I mean, you would think he would make the most sense in San Antonio. like For his brother? Can we swap him back? I mean... The only brothers to be traded for each other twice? What's the money? I mean, what if... Would you do Connolly for some expirings and Bertans? I'm Lonnie honest. Walker? Walker's an interesting one because he's a rookie who we know nothing about. He's barely played. But, like, because the Spurs drafted him, he's probably not bad. Like, that's just how I consider R.C. Buford. Yeah, Gasol for Pow and Patty. I mean, that works. I mean, you you got to fill in a little bit of cap space, but it basically works. Man, Gasol's making a shit ton of money. Yeah. Wow, that's a bad contract. It's not a bad contract to give your best player a max contract. What? It's not a bad contract to pay like 
the best player, first or second best player in franchise history, the most money. I was talking about Pau Gasol. Oh, Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol's making sixteen mil- almost seventeen million dollars this year. Yeah, that's a bad contract. And He's he has 40. another year. Yeah, or thirty eight or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's what I meant. I okay, meant I Pau you meant is Mark no, no, no. Mark, like, Mark makes paid appropriately. Mark makes sense. No, Pau is getting paid a shit ton. That's why that deal works. Pau, Patty Mills, and like you throw in some young thing, some young asset, a pick or something. Yeah, those two in a pick, like hopefully like a three years from now pick, but they'll probably make it this year's pick, um, which is much less valuable because they're probably going to make the playoffs. I mean, who else needs Marcus Gasol? Could Houston use the, Marcus Gasol? The, the other interesting one I've heard, straight up Drummond for Gasol. Let's just flip it up. Gasol Blake would be fascinating really interesting it'd be like Gasol Zebo Gasol also can shoot they both can shoot but Blake can get down in the post Blake would have to be willing to get in the post more because Gasol doesn't really want to be down there never has you know what I was thinking with teams like Detroit or Washington who have these contracts that are their quote-unquote star but they also sort of want to get off of them like Blake and John Wall well John Wall's making literally 40 million dollars he's untradeable but if you're if you're um, the Pelicans and you are basically trying to save basketball in your city, do you think about, yeah, you could do a rebuild, like a, the quote-unquote smart rebuild where you're just getting young assets and, you know, if you can get that from the Lakers, which it doesn't look like you can, uh, do you just, like, if if you say, hey, Detroit, We'll give you a year and a half of AD to get off of this Blake contract. Does Detroit do that? I don't think they want to get off the Blake contract anymore. I I, I mean think Blake's been playing playing great this season, but he's got he's you know he's, there's still three more. Do you think there's any world in which the Wizards decide to trade Wall before his like this year before his two hundred million dollar extension kicks in? I think if the Wizards could trade Wall, they would. Forty million dollars a year is just absurd. I mean, I know if they trade him this year, there's like that, they have there's that tax or whatever, the trade kicker tax, where they have to pay an extra fifteen on his contract. But that's an extra thirty million dollars. I know, but if they if you're in, it still is a net positive in the long run. If you can trade him to the Pelicans, get a year and a half of AD, AD, AD and Beal. I mean, he would never stay, but yeah. Who know. do you think's gonna get? Who do you think is most likely to get traded of the names that aren't swirling around? Because I hear like little rumors about Vucevic because they don't know if they want to pay him. I hear rumors about Kemba because Kemba's like, not going. I mean, Kemba will sign with the Knicks or something. You, We're gonna overpay Kemba. You think that? Oh, the, the, he's your your one of your stars. Kemba's a classic. The classic Kemba Knicks, and Vucevic. There you go. No, I think I think the classic thing would be signing maxing out 29 year old jimmy butler and 28 year old five foot 11 kemba that would yeah. be the Knicks this summer if we get jimmy butler and kemba because they are like the on paper shiny names right and then jimmy butler ma- makes everyone hates him plays 60 ish games a season and we are scratching at the eight seed that is the classic Knicks move i don't know i'm done talking about the Knicks, but do you Kemba's not going. Do you think the Clippers try and get off some of their guys while their value's high? Lou Williams and Tobias Harris, namely. Well, Tobias Harris is expiring. I think they're going to keep him. They're in the they're in the playoff hunt, you know. Yeah, but they're you eight. Know, but the team that's coming right behind them is the Lakers. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna. I wouldn't. I would. I would be shocked if they bailed. So breaking news as we're talking about this, not real news, just rumors. Uh, apparently, Detroit, who we were just talking about is very much involved in the Utah-Memphis conversation as they're trying to get off of Reggie Jackson and get one of, it's unclear which direction everything's going to go, but some sort of three-way swap of Rubio, Reggie Jackson, and Conley with other pieces and picks flying around as well. I would assume that Utah would be after Connolly because they're definitely not after Reg Jackson. So that yeah. would mean Utah that, would be after Conley. So Detroit would be trying to get Ricky Rubio. Detroit would get Ricky Rubio with presumably the hopes to re-sign him because I think he makes sense there. And then Memphis would take on Reggie, including his $18 million next year, and then get it like up first from both. I mean, if I'm Detroit, I'm trying to cut 
Utah out and just talk to Memphis about getting Connolly because Rubio doesn't help them with the problem that no one on that team can shoot. Like Blake Griffin is the best three point shooter on that team, and that's yeah. a disaster. Like Reggie Bullock, but like, I, yeah, you know and what I mean. Presumably, you know, like they'd be throwing in like a Luke Kennard would be going somewhere, uh, probably to Memphis to take on Jackson's money. It. What if you throw? What I, if you throw uh, Detroit? Um, throws Drummond in the mix somewhere somehow. That that complicates it because he also makes a ton of money. Uh, obviously Utah has no need for Andre Drummond. Uh, and does Memphis need Andre Drummond if they're going to be building around Jaron Jackson? Eh, probably not. Like he's not a great rebounder, but they want him to be. Like yeah. give him a chance to not have Drummond hunting for his twentieth rebound every night. Uh, I mean, if I'm Detroit, you get off Jackson's contract a year early, and Rubio is definitely a better point guard than Jackson, so. I mean, I guess I'd be stoked either way, but I would prefer Conley because Conley's contract runs about the same as – it's the same as Drummond and a year shorter than Blake Griffin. So, you know, they're capped out anyway. You might as well try to – It would make my stomach turn to see Blake Griffin and Mike Conley on the same team. <laughs> like, these two – you know, these battles of the 2010s turning into 2020 teammates. I know, you know, the grit and grind's over. It's going to be like officially over when Mike and Mark are gone, whenever that happens. But you guys got to try to get um, Zebo back. I mean, he's ex he's gonna, he's on an expiring. And he's just, not playing. He's not with the team. Yeah, just bring him back. Throw throw some to Sacramento. Sacramento is under the cap, so they can accept something. <laughs> Will they nothing. take Chandler Parsons' money? Jesus. No. no. That's the other wrinkle in all this is that Memphis – We'll take different bad salary back if the other team is stupid enough to take Chandler Parsons' terrible salary. I don't think anyone's that stupid. No one is that stupid. Only Memphis was that stupid. Uh, I mean, the Kings used to be that stupid. But now Vladi turns out to be like a really good GM now. He Getting lucky isn't being a really good GM. Like, Phil Jackson drafted Kristaps. He's not like a, a good drafter. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I... I mean, listen, Buddy's, you know, he's shoots like Steph and he's big like Clay. Oh, Jesus. I mean, they got, they had enough young guys that eventually some was going to work out, you know. For yeah. for every Bagley and Buddy, there's a Scalabissier and uh, who who's the guy that Giles. they just cut? I mean, Giles, but who's the guy who's not even on the team anymore? Oh, yeah, that, that dude who just like. Papianis. Yeah, who they traded to, up, they moved up to get. And yeah. then he didn't make it to the end of his contract. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's out of the league. If you have enough shots at young guys, eventually you're going to, you're going to nail one. But yeah. The one that fascinates me, and we've been having this conversation for two years, is does Portland decide to get off the treadmill at some point and flip McCollum somewhere? No. You think they're just happy? See, that's another example I think of we drafted these dudes. We're going to ride with these dudes until we can't. And we're probably never going to, they, they're never going to win a title with that backcourt. Barring something super weird, they're not afraid. Unless they get like AD. Yeah, like so you put Nurkic, Evan Turner, and four for like every first round pick you can offer. To, if, I, if I'm the Pelicans, I'm doing that. If but then you know Lillard and McCollum get hurt and their team falls apart and AD leaves. I know. Then those draft picks are awesome. Yeah, that's another example though of a franchise where like they are that friend. They have good fans in general, but they've been so energized these last four years now five years now where because they have these two homegrown st actual star level yeah. players and it they're they make the playoffs almost every year sure they had an embarrassing sweep last year but they're in like the four seed right now right yeah four seed i mean if the knicks became the trailblazers i would love that yeah i don't know i don't this I is like a weird year where there aren't that many teams that like the teams that are going for the title Milwaukee is not going to make a move. Toronto is not going to make a move unless they can somehow steal AD, which, but I don't think so. Boston's not going to make a move. Denver, Warriors. Boston could make a move. We well, could see Kyrie I mean, traded. What? You see Kyrie traded to where? I, I have no idea, but like, if they get nervous, I could see them trading Kyrie because he's a free agent this summer. I know, but I don't think any team would trade for Kyrie unless it's the Lakers or the Knicks, and I don't even think the Knicks would do that. Just wait to sign him. And Kyrie is very clearly – wants to do what he wants to do right like that's he's a very yeah. individualistic guy he's 
rarely you rarely really know what he's thinking, which is cool. I'm for it. If I know Atlanta's trying to get tar- something back for Tarian Prince. I made up a fake trade the other day that was it was just getting every star to the team they want to be at. It was like New York, LA, and Boston and uh, the Pelicans, and it was like eighty to LA. So you just you just bite the bullet. You send Davis to the Lakers. You send Kyrie to the Knicks, and you send Drew Holiday to the Celtics. You send like some like young players like Knox to the Celtics and then you send like all you send the Celtics Drew Holiday to start for Kyrie so you're starting like big Drew Holiday and big Marcus Smart that's a pretty solid backcourt yeah then the ego shit's taken out of it because now Tatum and the young guys are in control of the team because Drew Holiday is not going to be trying to be the leader of that team then you send like Gordon Hayward and a shit ton of Knicks and Lakers young guys to the Pelicans with like picks and whatever yeah like Knox but also Ingram but also Ball but also you know Frank whatever yeah though I'd love to see a mega deal we haven't had a multi-team mega deal in a really long time when was the last time we even had a four-team trade much less any of those wacky like I hope that like I, I hope all the Memphis stuff gets tied into all the Pelican stuff somehow. And we see all three of the stars from between those two teams. I, there are different tiers. AD is sure, a tier sure, above. Sure, sure. Sure, but sure, we sure. see a top five player and two top 25 players, let's say, get all shifted in the same massive mega transaction. I want it to happen. I want Drew Holiday to go somewhere. He says he wants to stay, and they say they don't want to trade him. But he's got a little kid. Like I think he doesn't want. I think just from a practical standpoint, he's got like a three-year-old. It'd be it suck to move. I know, but I just want to see him somewhere. Selfishly, I just want to see him somewhere. Like put Drew Holiday on the Sixers. Does Drew Holiday make the Bucks better? Again. I think he does. Drew Holiday over in, Middleton. For, no, in, in, over Bledsoe. Over oh well, yes, obviously. Yeah. Like Bled- put Drew Holiday somewhere somewhere fun and cool somehow get drew to okc and then it's like drew holiday and russ that would be like the they, they that would be the one they haven't found a backcourt made for russ yet in that would be 10 perfect years, but that would be the one that would actually work yeah i don't know i think drew Hol- get drew holiday somewhere fun. unless it's abdul natter who's like playing really well right now yeah <laughs> so there's a lot happening here I I will have another update after Thursday because that's when it's all going to go down and we're going to be F5-ing until then. Uh, yep. No, I just refreshed Woj. No new news. Yeah. It's uh, well, it, it's, uh it was an interesting week. Very depressing. Uh, but, you know, hopefully Zion Dunks in the garden will keep me warm for the dream of Zion Dunks will keep me warm for this uh, this winter. And just keep in mind, we're talking about all these wacky scenarios. You know what happens at most trade deadlines? Absolutely nothing. Kristaps and Jimmy Butler both moving this year make this a much more exciting transactional year than most. Usually the top-level players do not move at at the deadline. And I think AD is going to happen. I think AD to the Lakers will happen in the next five days. I hope so. I hope something crazy happens. Let me just double-check one thing. Um... All right, guys. Well, I just want to sign off with this. Uh, if any of you fans of other teams, if I ever hear you complaining about your teams ever again, uh, this is how I'm going to feel inside. And you don't know what pain is! Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me hard. All right. Bye. Bye.